many churches. I am told churches in Kenya here are full, full, full of people with their pen, their notebooks, and their Bibles. And I know sometimes there is a bit of rain in the country, but I hope the volume will be sufficient enough for you. But I would like to talk about a very important portion, a very critical portion of that message, walking the narrow way. We know very well that now the Church of Christ and the entire earth globally is sitting on the verge of a major, major visitation from on high. And I think there is no better time in the history of the church when the church ought to polish her Christian walk, to work her Christian walk, to make her Christian walk a fine walk, to be serious on matters of eternity, to be serious on matters of righteousness, to be serious with the holiness benchmarks of the Lord, there is no better time in the history of the church when the loose ends need to be tightened up in the Christian fraternity, the Christian walk, the Christian salvation. And that's why in that message, I have not listened to that message, but I'm pretty much sure of what the Lord spoke in Mombasa. But in that message, you definitely heard about the tremendous conversation the Lord had with me regarding eternity. That kind of conversation on its own accord, on its own marriage, is a wonder. It is a wonder that the Lord could be engaging the church right now, the Church of Christ, in such a tremendous direct conversation. And in this message today, I know there is a background of, of rain where I am here, but in this message today, as you get me, beloved people, I am going to partition the message into several segments. I'm going to break it down into several units, and probably we we'll take a short five to ten minute break after every segment, a health break or so to say, so that each of the sections may come out very clearly on their own standing. I want to talk today about the highway that you heard him talk about. And in that conversation with the Lord, when the Lord speaks with me and sends me to speak to the church, and I begin by speaking from Mombasa, it was during a conference, a Christian conference, a conference of pastors we have in this ministry and believers, and in that conference, you see the Lord coming out very clearly. And the key highlights that are raised in that conversation, the fact that a day arrives, a specific day arrives, a particular day crystallizes, it materializes on the face of the earth, on the face of the universe. And when that day arises, beloved people, certain events take place on the earth, in the heaven, events that are literally irretrievable. 
irreversible events that have eternal consequences. Events that actually define the population of heaven and the population of hell. Events that go down to the detail to be able to describe the citizenry of heaven and the citizenry of hell. In other words, the occupants, the inhabitants of the kingdom of God in heaven and the inhabitants of hell where there will be inferno in Spanish, fire. There will be eternal fire, unquenchable fire, and in its own way and nature, the worm that never die. Where there will be perpetual and continuous and eternal rotting of the bodies of those that will inhabit hell. And I have been also to hell. The Lord has taken me to hell and I've seen hell so that I may come back and preach to you about hell that you may avoid going to hell. Jesus preached a large chunk, a large portion, a large section of his message on hell. Nobody ever preached more about hell than Jesus, the Lord himself, so that he may warn the inhabitants of the earth, so that he may warn humanity to avoid going to hell. And that is the reason the Lord showed me those places, that place, that I may come back and sound a clarion warning, sound a serious warning to this generation, that please, 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 even as we speak right now, there is still sufficient time for you to make amends, for you to make reform, for you to make sure that you go into austerity measures within your Christian salvation, that you may be able to austere, to be tighter in the way you walk, to sharpen your walk, to be more adherent to the decrees, to the commands, to the requirements of this Christian walk, that you may avoid going to hell and end up going to heaven. That is the whole reason the Lord sent me. That is the entire purpose for which the Messiah died on the cross. That is the reason the Holy Spirit was released unto the earth. That is the reason you became a Christian. For that reason alone, the Bible was written, beloved people. And so today, as I begin this tremendous and golden sermon, I call this a golden sermon, because this sermon bears a tremendous and unspeakable historic treasure towards entry into heaven. And I know that as I begin this sermon, that is quite a long sermon, I know many people are seated in churches with their books, they are out for pleasure. So this really will bless the Lord because then the audience is able to maximize on this and take the instruction that comes from here. Execute, implement the instruction, obedience, obey and implement the instruction and then see the glorious kingdom of God. I know that this someone comes in the face, comes right on the hill in the backdrop in the backdrop of another one that I gave recently, and I was listening to it as it has been posted on the web, the one on laying your foundation right, laying the foundation of your Christian salvation right, laying the foundation of your Christian walk right, by laying it on the foundation of the rock. And you saw very clearly on that sermon I gave last week, that the 
Lord speaks very, very clear to the church. And he says there is no other foundation that can be laid other than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus the Lord, 1 Corinthians 3.11. And so after speaking about that tremendous, the important aspect of Christianity, by ensuring that you lay your foundation right, how awesome that now the Lord continues to work refine and polish your Christian walk, Christian salvation, by talking about walking the narrow way that you have just heard, being dispensed, being trumpeted in that message at the Mombasa Conference of Pastors and Believers. And so to kick us off today, beloved people, I want right away begin to echo some of the things you heard in that sermon. And one of the main things you heard in that sermon comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. And I know that today, if you are writing, if you are a writer, if you are a writer, you are going to have a lot of scripture and a lot of important nuggets to write to help you navigate you within this wicked world that regardless of the circumstances of this life, of this world, of this earth, of this realm, you may still be able to go and enjoy eternity with your Creator. Remember, nobody else created you. Satan never created anybody. Even the smallest of babies, he never created. Only the Lord of our, the Holy God of Israel, my sender, the blessed one of Israel, the cornerstone of Israel, only he alone created you. So how awesome for him to send Christ Jesus the Messiah, to die on the cross for you, shed his precious blood, his wonder-working blood, his powerful and mightiest blood, his blood to deliver you, to save you, to give you salvation, beloved people, and then, at the end of it all, you receive the Lord and end up in eternity. How awesome! And that's why this series of teachings are really a cumulative, a cumulative arrangement of building blocks into your Christian salvation, into your spiritual life, to be able to help you, navigate you, that no matter the circumstances, no matter the wickedness of the day, you may end up in the right place for which the Messiah came. So to echo some of the words that came out of that major, major visitation of the Lord, given in Mombasa, about entry, the door to heaven, the church that enters, I want to start right away by reading from the book of Genesis chapter 3, and I'm reading verses 23, all the way to verse 24. And I can start 21 because we are really at liberty to explore the word, to do a scholarship and see what thesis, what is the thesis that Jesus was depositing when he talked about walking the narrow way. What was his thesis when he brought and submitted the doctrine of walking the narrow way and then he gave it as a required command. So Genesis chapter 3, beloved people, with all the due indulgence to read from verse 21, Genesis chapter 3, he says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam 
on his wife and clothed them. So you see, right away, the Lord God is clothing them, is covering their nudity, their nakedness. And then, verse 22 of Genesis chapter 3, he begins by saying, And the Lord God says, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life. Also because he had taken from another tree. He had taken from the forbidden tree. And so he was saying that must not be allowed to take also. Because then you would have a confederacy. You would have an axis of evil, a very complicated axis of evil, where evil men that have fallen to sin now takes from the tree of life and lives eternally. That would be a blasphemy unto the benchmarks and standards of God. For example, one of the standards says that there is a book of the Lamb of God. There is a book in heaven, and that book is registered. That book is an enlistment. That book is a ledger that contains the names of the righteous. In essence, the names of the citizens of heaven. So if man would be allowed to extend his hand and also partake of the tree of life, you and I know that whosoever partaketh of the tree of life, they live eternally. So that would have defeated the laws of God, the paradigm of God, and the blueprint that he has for Christian salvation. And today I'm going to lay it for you very clearly here with the blueprint that the Lord set up your salvation, for our salvation, for the salvation of men, of the church, of humanity. I'm going to lay it out in a very important section ahead of me here. But you see very clearly, he says, and the Lord God said, but thank you, that the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat, and live forever. That is one of the mysteries, the astounding mysteries of God, because how then does the evil man touch the tree and live forever? Does it mean that evil men touching the tree would live eternally? Does it mean that the tree of life has chamber chamber in Swahili, has some ingredient that when anybody, evil or righteous, eats of it, will live eternally. That is what the Lord is depositing here, beloved. And verse 23, which is most important for us, he says, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden, took up the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden Kerubi, Kerubim in, uh, in Hebrew, Kerubim, Haverim, Kerubim, for many, for two, in other words, the garden, oh, you say it again, east, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden, Kerubim, and a flashing sword, flaming, flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, I would underline that. The way to the tree of life, which means, in our own understanding, beloved people, thus far the Lord has brought us. 
is giving us a little infiltration of his wisdom into the church. And in that wisdom, he has brought it very clear to us that the tree of life, where the tree of life is where essentially God the Father is. And I've always made that very clear to the church. I've preached it to the ends of the church, the ends of the earth, in other words. I've always said that every time the Lord is speaking with me, a certain type of conversation that demands bringing me before the presence of God the Father, I have always said the following. I've always said that whenever in a dream, I can see the cherubim of glory, the two cherubim of glory. Then I always know that, look, this is the holiest place because God the Father is here. That I have preached openly in the public place and all of us have grown. We have come of age on this one now. And now the second thing I have said also before, I have said, that where the tree of life is, and I've said it very clearly on several occasions, I've said that he that speaks with you, that the Lord is sending me on this mission, he has hewn, he has grafted and crafted and designed a special relationship between he that speaks with you and the tree of life. There is a very special relationship the Lord has designed between me and the tree of life. Such that, for example, this past weekend, the Lord takes me to the throne room, takes me behind the throne room, plucks the leaves of the tree of life, places on my left prophetic hand, and then there is more which I have not revealed. I mentioned a little bit about the branch. Places and says, these are for the healing of the nation, and then commands me to execute his agenda on the earth. And it reminds me about two weeks ago or so, about three weeks now, when the Lord again made me fall asleep and then showed me my hand glorious and glowing, the hands, the arms and all that. And then by voice he said that this is the will of God on the earth. Then of course I woke up and understood that to execute the agenda of the Lord of the earth. So now, the tree of life, he says, that they may not get their way to the tree of life. We all now know too well that the tree of life, where the tree of life is the revelation that the Lord has lavished us with, lavished this generation with, lavished the church, lavished you with, is in such a way that he has now unveiled to you that wherever the tree of life is, there is God the Father himself. And that's why you see the two cherubim of glory are now placed at the east side to guard the entrance, the entrance, the gate, the door that leads to the tree of life. In other words, that leads where God is. For some of you who sometimes would like to do a scholarship, a pursuit, uh, to pursue these things deeper, the questions you may have to ask at this point before we begin this summer is that, well, now when men fell and the cherubim of glory blocked the gate, blocked the gate that leads to the way, to the way, he says, the way to the tree of life. In other words, the way to where God is. In other words, the way to eternity. For how long then did 
tree of life remain on the earth after the fall of man, before he took it and placed it at the throne room in heaven, beloved people. So some of you who are interested, this is an area you can pursue, because later on, you see that there is Abel and there is uh, Cain. Cain and Abel, they prepare their sacrifice later after the fall, of course, and they bring the sacrifice before the Lord. And one of them, the sacrifice is accepted, meaning at that time still, the throne of God, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the cherubim of glory, the tree of life, the presence of God was still there. So those are things you can pursue later, beloved people. But what I wanted to talk about is the fact that there is a way that leads to eternity. So when the Lord was speaking to me in January this year and showing me the Christians that have come, that I'm going to focus on today, that have literally come and managed the journey, have become overcomers, and now they're entering, and the Lord puts me about 20 or 30 feet or meters or so from the door to heaven, and I see them walking narrow. They, it was not a mob. It was not a crusade. It was not a large width of people walking one direction. It was a narrow path. It was a path they were walking as they entered in tremendous joy, elatement, and happiness, joy unspeakable as they fin finally entered the kingdom of their father. And of course, the glorious steps. So, this is what I wanted to echo as the first scripture, the first statement of our sermon today. The message, walking the narrow way, walking the narrow road, walking the narrow path, whichever way you would like to put it. And so, now we see very clearly that after the fall of man, then now the door that leads to eternity is closed. It is shut and judgment consumes man and the wages of sin become death. So death befalls and there is a certain raft, there is a whole cascade of judgments that are written against man, the toiling of the ground, against the woman, against, the, you know, death also, eat from the sweat, and all that. There is a whole raft of the writing of the judgment from the upper chambers of justice, within the corridors of justice, in the upper chambers of heaven, where the king and the judge of righteousness, the righteous judge, the eternal judge has sent us, beloved people. So now, when that door was closed, owing to sin, then all of a sudden, we now hear Christ the Messiah coming to the scene. And this is the way I want to introduce this tremendous message, our radio message, Walking the Narrow Way. And it's beautiful to do this on radio. Because literally the poorest of the poor people who cannot afford TV, some of them might be in the ocean right now or in the lake somewhere fishing, but they still can receive the message. And that is all the beauty about radio. So after the fall that we saw in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and the shutting of the door that leads to eternity, leads to God, then Christ Jesus the Messiah that was promised in Genesis 3.15, comes into the sin. 
that when he enters the spiritual landscape, then he makes the following pronouncement, beloved people. He makes the pronouncement in the book of John chapter 14 verse 6. And I am turning with you now, beloved people. What a precious Friday, Friday evening on this part of the earth. And all the other parts with their respective time. John chapter 14 verse 6. After the shutting of the gate, the shutting of the way that leads to eternity. That we see in the book of Genesis 3. 23 to 24. Then now Christ the Messiah appears and he says, he, he makes the following submission in John chapter 14 verse 6. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the Powerful pronouncement for anyone to stand before the earth and make that pronouncement. Except that your ultimate authority unto creation, over creation, you cannot. If there is any of those statements in the Bible that limit our heart, that stand very high and separate, separate out the Christian faith, the Christian salvation, it is this one here. Because this is one of those statements that crowns everything together, coins it together, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It really defines the Christian religion. And I'm talking about born-again Christians, not the other denominations that do their own thing. I'm talking about the born-again Salvation of the Holy Spirit. Salvation where you are led to righteousness. This salvation we profess. Born again. He says, and nobody comes to the Father. In other words, nobody enters heaven. In other words, nobody sees eternity to God. In other words, nobody sees the new Jerusalem. Nobody sees the glorious, sees the glorious kingdom of God except through me. That is a powerful statement. That is going to actually be very central in defining for us many aspects of today's topic, walking the narrow way. In other words, he's saying there is only one way, there is one gate, there is one door that leads to eternity, beloved people. And after he defines that, in my preamble today, in my introduction, in my abstract to you, beloved people, as I introduce this message, wale ambao wanasikiza katika lugha ya Kiswahili tafadhali hili jambo ninakumbatana nayo hapa leo jambo ninaongea kuhusu ni kuhusu lile agizo la Bwana Bwana wetu Yesu Kristo vile alipoagiza wakati alikuwa hapa akatenda huduma kali sana huduma nyeti sana huduma ya kufana sana ambao ilifaulu kwa njia kubwa sana milele na milele Alisema ya kwamba, alituagiza ya kwamba, tutembee kwenye njia ambao ni nyebamba wakati tumeokoka. Ile njia ambayo imefinywa, sio njia wazi kubwa ambayo inaleni sita, ambao unaona ni wazi na malaiti na nini mambo mengi ya pale. Alisema kwa wale wote ambao watamfuata, 
itawalazimu kutembee kwenye njia ndogo njia pamba nyepamba hivi ndio wataona wakifanya hivyo wataona ufalme wa mbinguni hivi tu ndio nimesema kuanzia tangu nianze na nikasoma katika kitabu cha mwanzo Genesis kuanzia mstari wa 23 hadi 24 nilianzia 21 lakini nilikuwa lengo langu lilikuwa kulenga 23 mpaka 24 mwanzo mlango wa tatu mstari wa 23 hadi 24 wakati anasema ya kwamba alisema kwamba baada ya kuanguka kwa binadamu kwenye dhambi wale katika bustani wa Edeni alisema ya kwamba wana ilibidi sasa afunge njia lile njia ambalo lilikuwa linaelekeza linafaa kuelekeza bin Adam katika ule mti wa uzima wa milele the tree of living life of, of life na akasema akafunga hapo na makerubi wakibeba upanga ambayo ikiwasha moto hiyo manake kuatisha bin Adam kuambia ukije hapa tutawachinja hilo ndio hukumu ambalo Bwana aliweka so beloved people having uh, helped the Swahili listeners to catch base those of you tuned in from abroad thank you for your indulgence now look at this now i said John chapter 14 verse 6 is so key because in that scripture he brings it out very clearly that there is only one way and there is only one gate that leads one door that leads one eternity with god to one heaven beloved people and then after saying so in my introduction today i want to catch touch base touch up with the scripture again echoing what we just heard the scripture in matthew chapter 8 beloved people turn with me to matthew 8 verses 10 to 12 those of you tuned in from all over the world welcome to the broadcast of the lord welcome to jesus is lord radio the radio station that has endeavored to prepare the way for the glorious coming of the messiah how awesome that you can tune in here and you can get the hidden nuggets you can get the most important message that is lacking in church today and prepare yourself on a personal basis to see the kingdom of glory with your creator Jehovah the God of Israel so the second statement i would like to bring to the fore that really echoes what you heard as an introduction i'm laying today what you heard in that message in that tremendous visitation of the lord is the book of matthew chapter 8 and i'm reading from verse 10 on verse 10 verse 12 this is what he says he says when jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him and most of them were jewish were following him the israelites again verse 10 he says when jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him truly truly i say unto you truly i tell you i have not found anyone in israel with such great faith that is amazing because he was literally talking about a gentile he was talking about someone that had been brought up in an atheist background in a pagan religion in Rome where the king of Rome was kind of a demigod some half god or some kind of a god figure and they believed he had some some divine what so he was raised in that culture and this is a brutal man a soldier a fighter in those days a conqueror an evil man 
was executing the agenda of an evil kingdom within Israel, within that promised land. And so, after Jesus engages with somebody that was never brought up in church, he was never brought up in the synagogue the way the Israelites had been brought up, where the parents always held their hands and walked with them right straight into the synagogue. I've lived in Israel for seven years. And during my seven years in Israel, every Shabbat, Shabbat begins Friday evening when the sun sets. Every Shabbat you see them holding their children, holding their hands, crossing the street, entering the synagogue. They raise them with the knowledge of the sayings of God. They raise them with the knowledge of the understanding of the decrees of God. They raise them and bring them up in the understanding of the commandment of God. They raise them in bring they bring them up in understanding the nature of God, the God of Israel. So they have all that advantage. They are really advantaged in the way they are brought up. And then Jesus the Messiah appears into the scene and begins to say the following thing. As he does the sayings and public ministry, and then there is an astounding situation, a disturbing situation, a shocking moment that befalls. Because now, the author of all faith, he that created all faith and put unto people, deposited in your heart. Now he meets an atheist, a pagan, someone who is supposed to be hitless does not hate the word of God. Somebody brought up in a kingdom that knoweth not the God of Israel. He meets him vis-a-vis, master the Israelites. Then there is an engagement with Jesus. And he says, Lord, thou I am, you see, I am not fit. You know, thou shouldest. You see, he is not right. I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Just say the word. So he has some understanding that this is the king of the universe. And all the laws of disease, the laws of cold, sunshine, drought, what, that govern the universe with all its planets are governed by this king that is right in front of me here. And if you read the book of Luke, he sent some elders to him. He did not even approach him. So now, therefore, in that message you heard, no wonder there is this projected out, Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. And he says, when Jesus heard this from the centurion of God, he was amazed and said to those following him. And remember, there are only two occasions in the Bible when Jesus was really amazed. One of them is when he met the faith of the centurion. And the other one, when he met the faithlessness of the Israelites. So he was amazed in these two occasions. What a shocking situation within the scripture. So he says, verse 10, Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come. Now you see that he is launching this based on the inference of the conclusion based on the reference of the faith of this Gentile, of this, this centurion, now he makes the pronouncement in verse 11, based, strictly based on the words and the engagement with the centurion. He said, and the faith of the centurion. He said, I say unto you, 
that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. How shocking that Jesus makes such a tremendous pronouncement about the end time revival. So you see very clearly, beloved people, again, the Lord Jesus makes a clear submission here. He submits to the church. He submits to the universe. He submits to humanity and creation. He says unto them, number one, that he is from the kingdom of God. Number two, he says to them that all those that believe in him, that will adhere to the faith he brings, and bring obedience to that faith, exude it and practice the words that he says, they do the sayings of Jesus. He says, all those who will be obedient to him and have faith, they will go to a kingdom, the kingdom of God in heaven. And it's amazing here that Jesus now, he apportions hereditary law, inheritance. He begins to say that there are those to whom the kingdom of God was first created. The Jews, the Jewish people, the Israelites. He says, they are the ones for whom the kingdom was created. He says, but the subjects in the kingdom of heaven, the subjects of the kingdom, those for whom the kingdom was created, those for whom the different rooms were created first, they have the first priority. And we know that our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the beloved Redeemer, that he loves so much, the one that is coming soon, he came from the Jewish community, Jewish society, Jewish descendants. That was the plan of God. That is not anything debatable. That is not within our realm to decide. That is now by the concealed, hidden wisdom of God. Again, this also now requires of us this adherence to obedience without question. And so, beloved people, now in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10 to 12, the Lord comes out very clearly now when he says that those for whom the kingdom was first assigned will, because of the pronouncement of this centurion here, and the faith that the centurion, the Gentile, has exuded before the Lord, calling him Lord, talking about his power, his power that's uncontestable, his power that has no spatial space, spatial limitation, his authority that can command anything in the universe and overrule. That knowledge and that faith, because of that pronouncement, the Messiah now says that the Israelites, those for whom the kingdom is assigned, and I'll speak to you a little later also about the church that is disobedient, that is walking another way. Those for whom the kingdom is assigned first will fail to enter, and then because of the utterances of this Gentile, he says, many, he says, he says, many will come from as far as the east is to as far as the west is. He says, I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and will take up their places 
and the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they will enjoy in the kingdom of heaven, they will enjoy the wedding feast, the wedding dinner of the Lamb of God. So you see, beloved people, that the reason I bring this Matthew chapter 8, verses 10 to 12, as an introduction, as a preamble for what I'm going to share with you today, is because, number one, it was echoed in that message, in that visitation of the Lord that is our reference, the foundation of what we are doing today. Because it stood out very clearly there, but I bring it out now in the context of walking the narrow way. And you see very clearly that when the Lord was speaking with me in that tremendous visitation in January, the year 2017, this year, about the entry of the church, they were almost walking like in a single file, for those of you who know what single file is, following a line, and entering into the glorious kingdom of heaven, the cloud opening, and they entered the stairs appears, the glo they appeared, the glorious steps appear, and then they enter. But you see very clearly, beloved people, that these people that the Lord shows me, this church, this blessed church, this heavenly church that enters, that the Lord showed me getting into the kingdom of the eternity with God, the kingdom of glorious eternal peace, the everlasting kingdom of the new Jerusalem. These people that enter, they are brought in here in this topic of walking the narrow way. They are brought in because these are the people that were compliant. These are the people that obeyed the instruction of Jesus when the Lord Jesus was doing a public ministry here and he spoke a decree and he gave a command and he deposited a thesis. He deposited this thesis on the doctrine of walking the narrow way. When he commanded the church that followed him to walk the narrow way, these are the people that obey that walk and enter, they walk the narrow way and enter the narrow gate, as we will see very briefly as I read the underlying scripture or reference scripture in Matthew 7. They walk the narrow way, they enter the narrow gate and enter the narrow door into heaven. And you will see very clearly that that door is Jesus, the Lord, the blessed Messiah himself, our blessed Redeemer, the one we love so much. And so, these people that I saw entering into the eternal, glorious kingdom of Jehovah, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah El Olam, these are the people who had come from the four ends of the earth. They had come as far as the east is, and as far as the west is, this is the Gentile church, and of course in there will be the, the Messianic Jews that have heard the teaching, those that have recently received the Lord, of course, who have come to knowledge and understanding that Christ Jesus is the Messiah they are waiting for. So, he's saying, these are the people that have come from the ends of the earth, and you can have your understanding, your imaginary understanding, or your reality, your real understanding of the east, as far as the east is, the end of the earth, and as far as the west is, the end of the earth. Why do I say so? Because
because these are the ones who have walked the narrow way, the narrow road that the Lord prescribed, the narrow path that He prescribed, and He says that those that will walk the narrow road, as we are about to read in the book of Matthew chapter 7, that those that will obey His, his, his distinction, His stripes, and His prescription for salvation that He brought, those that will walk narrow way, he said, they will enter life. They will enter the kingdom, in other words, the kingdom of eternal life. And that's why today I am going to measure into very important aspects what does it really mean to walk the narrow road? What does it mean in this dispensation? When the shaking of the heavens has happened and continues to happen, when the roaring and the tossing of the seas has happened and continues to happen, when the shaking of the nation has happened and continues to happen, beloved people, what does the Lord really mean when He gives a prescription? He defines Christian salvation that enters heaven and I'll make a distinction here. The Christian salvation that is eternity of glory with God in heaven as walking the narrow way. And so, in a nutshell, again borrowing on echoing from the message in Mombasa, you hear him saying that those that were seen in January 2017 in that major prophecy as entering heaven, walking single file, and they go a bit left like this and turn and go right and then the door opens and they enter the glorious chairs they step on. These are the people that have obeyed the command of the Lord to walk the narrow way, the subject of our discussion this night. And as they do so, then they now see life. So can we now then go to our reference scripture for today, which is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Again, Matthew chapter 7, beloved people, verses 13 and 14. And if you have time in future, you can read verses 15 all the way to 20. It is still beneficial to you. Beneficial and relevant to this conversation, to this discussion that the Lord has opened up on polishing your salvation. And Christian walk. So he says the following, if all people get there, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. He says, Enter through the gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So here he talks about the narrow gate. Again, he says, verse, verse 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, in other words, leads to hell, and many enter through it. Meaning, as we're going to see shortly as I open it up to you, meaning it will be popular. The wide road that leads to hell will be popular in this life, in this dispensation, at this time. During these days, 
And he goes on to say, verse 14, But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, meaning eternal life, and only a few find it. So he raises some very important issues there, beloved people. He says, there is a command, it is. And in my Bible, it is in red, verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. He gives a command so we can separate out the instruction. So the Lord Jesus comes all the way from heaven. He is afflicted and returned. He does his mission here. His public ministry on the earth. And then he goes faithfully to the cross, delivers the church. But in that process, he defines that entire ministry is essentially summarized through verse 13, part A. Through the instruction that you see in verse 13, part A. Enter through the narrow gate. That's all. That's all. Because he comes all the way from heaven, he executes his public ministry on the earth. And in the process of doing so, he shows us the way that enters eternity with God. And then, in crowning it all, he points the entire humanity and the church of God therein, the church being the center, but I'm talking about the entire humanity that received Jesus. Then he says to them, enter through the narrow gate. And then, verse 14 here, he says, but, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Meaning, the Lord Jesus now points us. He points the nation. He points the church of Christ to the true definition of what Christian salvation is. And I'm talking about the salvation that the Messiah, the King of Glory, left his kingdom of glory and left his throne and came all the way to be suffered, to be abused, blackmailed and tortured and killed and then resurrected. That entire ministry. The purpose for coming to point the church, those that believe in him, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. So you see, the instruction is, enter through, you just enter through the narrow gate. Don't worry about the wide gate, because anyhow, the caution is, it shall be seductive, it shall be popular, it shall be accessible, it shall be obvious, many will be found there. But for you that follow him, he says, that notwithstanding, you enter through the narrow gate, and then verse 14, then he completes the instruction, he says, as small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to eternal life, to life, and only a few find it. Then he says that now the road, the narrow road, 
the narrow road that leads to eternity, first of all, is incognito. He says, has to be found. In other words, you have to search for it and find it first and then walk there, enter there. What is the Lord saying as we begin our important sermon tonight? You can see that there are several instructions here. Number one, enter through the narrow gate. Meaning, please go and enter through the narrow gate alone. Don't worry about the rest. And then the warning about the white gate. But he goes on now in verse 14. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And in that way, you hear the Messiah saying the following. Saying that the narrow way, the narrow gate, and the narrow way are together. That's what you hear the Messiah say. That for you to be able to enter the narrow gate, I can call it the narrow door. You would have to walk the narrow road, the narrow way, the narrow path. And right there, most of you listening, tuned in globally all over the earth, right there is the point of contradiction and controversy with the present day church. Right there you could stop and say, wow, then that means we have made a detour and we have been a long way, the wrong route. Right there is the caution for you to stop and retrace your path back to the narrow road. Because you can see right away from that statement that something has gone wrong. Something is not right in the body of Christ. Because he says that the small gate and the narrow road, narrow way, narrow path, they go together. In other words, he's saying, whatever we are going to define today as being the hallmark and the stripes of the narrow way, the experiences, the Christian worship experience, that they will encounter in the narrow way, whatever it is they encounter there, that is what will lead them to the narrow door, narrow gate, for entry, beloved. Hey. He says, you cannot separate the experiences of the narrow walk, the narrow walker, the guy that, the woman, the man, that walks, the narrow way. You cannot separate the experience of the narrow walker, the one that walks the narrow life, the one that walks the narrow way. You cannot separate their worship experience and the eternity with God in heaven. How powerful, beloved people. He's saying, in other words, before we begin, and these are things that are simply flowing off my head and before I begin I'm itching to start but there is a big flow going on now flowing into my mind into my heart through this and getting to you beloved people he is saying that there is something about the experiences of the narrow walk 
that whatever they experience on the narrow way, the narrow road, the narrow path, the narrow walker, the narrow walk, the narrow worshiper, hey, whatever they experience, I'm going to open up for you. Beat some kind of pains and work and restrictions and constraints and all those things. Whatever the experiences on the narrow path, their reward is there already spelled out in the Bible. It is everlasting eternity with God. He's saying that the beauty about the gospel of Jesus, the power and the awesomeness of our Lord Jesus, is that he is able to bring remission is able to bring comfort before the journey begins. He's saying that, again, I repeat here, he's saying, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. In other words, eternal life. And only a few people walk there. Whatever the experiences I'm going to open up today as I begin, when I begin, he has already given us here the reward. He says, there is a reward. It is a conspicuous reward. It's an obvious reward. You say, anybody that has rational mind in this life ought to choose this because the rewards outweigh the experience. And so, right from the reference scripture, beloved people, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Talking about the narrow way. So when the Lord, I would like to advance this further now. So when the Lord said, when the Lord brought to the attention of the church, when he spoke to the nation and spoke to humanity, when he said unto them that enter through the narrow gate. And down there he says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to eternal life. And only a few walk there. What was the instruction to the present day church? What was the instruction to the church? That is where the whole conversation tonight is going to center. I am going to make this the epicenter of our conversation that anything and everything we say, however far, deep and wide, it has to gravitate around this comment, this instruction, where he says, enter through the narrow gate. And then he says, for small is the gate, and narrow the path, narrow the way that leads to eternity, beloved people. Find it and walk there. So what did the Lord mean, beloved people? What is the meaning of walking the narrow way? Just in a nutshell, in a summary here, beloved people, the Lord is saying, that walking that narrow way means the following. It means executing proper Christian conduct. The Lord was essentially summoning the attention of the church. And today he's rekindling that attention in the hearts and minds of the Christian believers globally. And he's telling them that proper Christian conduct in other words, proper Christian behavior. In other words, 
he was essential number two, talking about decent, decent Christian conduct. That walking the narrow path essentially translates, transduces, it is eventually encoded to men on the ground, proper and decent Christian decency, Christian conduct. He also meant that when one walks there the way we have seen leads to life, he says it would lead to blessedness. And we know too well that there is no greater meaning for blessedness and redefinition that suits this hour than eternity. In other words, he was saying that when the church would walk. And you see here, the Lord is addressing the church. That when the church would walk the narrow way, the narrow path, the narrow road, the narrow lifestyle, the church would reach life, would find life, would find eternity. In other words, would find heaven. In other words, would find God Almighty Jehovah Elohim would find New Jerusalem, would find the streets of glory, streets of gold and the New Jerusalem, eternal worship, eternal peace, eternal blessedness, eternal celebration, the way he puts it in Matthew 25, that the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet, meaning an eternal celebration of worship every day. How awesome! How beautiful, how powerful it will be. How mighty beloved people. Eternal bliss. Eternal joy. Meaning the agonies and the pain and the melancholies and the sadness, the depression, the depression of this world will be essentially over. Out of the question. Mm -hmm. He says that is the road that leads to heaven. Walking the narrow way. We are now beginning to define stepwise the meaning. What the Lord meant. And I say that was my center today. What did he mean when he said walk the narrow way? What did he mean when he commanded the church to be walking? To keep walking the narrow road. The narrow path. You have seen, in other words, he meant that the church should execute and be able in their worship be beyond the reproaches of this dark world. To be above board in their worship and conduct, in their lifestyle, above board. Beyond the reproaches of this world that many times ensnare the Christian faith, the Christian believer. In other words, we also do put faith raised in the same topic as we saw, in the same scripture, in the same breath, he raised the caution on walking the wide way. So, we would never be complete, except we say, beyond reproach, walking above board, walking with integrity, righteous walking, holy walking, exemplary walking, shining the light of Christ, all these things, I use them now, to slowly bring you into this discussion. But I would not enter 
the gravity, the weight, the weight of walking, the narrow way, except that I also touched a little bit on what he meant by wide is the road. He says, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to hell, to destruction, and many enter there. So the same book of Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. Let's see what he says there. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is very powerful, beloved people. I have never seen a more powerful scripture. A serious caution while the gates of heaven are still open. A warning. How beloved is it for the Lord to raise this warning now that at the end of this sermon, many people may redirect their course, the course of their Christian walk, the course of their Christian salvation. In this dispensation, when Christian salvation has become candles, candles, one after the other, oh, the pastor did this, oh, abortion where, oh, pregnancy where, oh, he lied about the prophecy to get money from people, it get money from a few millionaires, oh, he said God wants to bless only a few rich ones, oh, there is people living, sleeping and living without marriage, oh, sexual love, oh, the dressing is what? How powerful a caution, a red flag that Jesus, and my Bible it is in red, Jesus raised the red flag to this generation. He says again, the white road, I say, we would never be complete in commencing our discussion on walking the narrow path. In examining the thesis that Jesus submitted on walking the narrow path, on the doctrine of the narrow way, except that we look at the other side, walking the wide, the broad road, the wide way. And those of you who, listen, who are Swahili speakers, beloved, don't worry, everything will come to you in translation. Allow me to do the flow for now. He says, because the Lord wants to flow with this and then you will be given. He says the following. The book of Matthew chapter 7, I say 21 to 23. And he says the following, the caution. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's saying, there will be two types of Christians, Christ followers, Christian believers, born again people, those in salvation. One type, that receive Christ Jesus as Lord and walk the narrow way, in other words, obey God, obedient people. And I couldn't underscore much more, I couldn't emphasize, overemphasize the importance of obedience because we just came from the message. We just walked out of the message of laying the right foundation and say, let me tell you the wise man, the wise builder, what he looks like. You see, he talks about he that lays, lays his salvation on concrete, on the rock, the foundation of the rock of ages, who is the Lord. And so, here too now, he's speaking very powerfully because he's saying, one group of Christians, of believers, Christian believers, would be walking the narrow way as obedient people, and they see eternity. And he says now, 
this matter of the kingdom of heaven. He's addressing the church, clearly the church, strictly the church. And we are speaking at a powerful time when Anne-Marie has just been healed in Tampere. And she, now I know that I have to go to Tampere this coming year. This coming year I have to go to Finland, praise the Lord, and bring a tremendous revival there because this is the hour for Finland. This is the hour for Tampere. Because big things are happening there. The Lord is beckoning. He's saying, look now. Revival in the land. Many things have happened. I'm speaking at the faith, on the faith of such major happenings when the Lord has just created a new brain, someone that was dyslexic with dyslexia, where the left-hand side of the brain is damaged, and there is so much study that has been done on dyslexia. They have characterized it so well. If you look at the brain anatomy of those who are dyslexic, vis-a-vis -vis those who are normal, your control, you see a lot of changes. If you look at brain activity, in terms of their ability to utilize the brain and those functions that fall on the left lobe, when you look at them, there are significant changes with the modern technology. When you can paint them, you can actually, you can mark them red or green based on activity. You see a lot of difference, which is how they were born. There is no pill. So we are speaking at such a time when wonders have happened in the church. How awesome that now we can harness that, we can adapt that to preparing for entry, to make substantive gains. So he says in the book of Matthew chapter 7 that there are those Christians who will say to him, Lord, Lord, and they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, in other words, there are those Christians that will not obey him because you know very well from our previous discussion it is ahead here the wise and the foolish builders he says those that will say lord lord but don't obey him it's right ahead there he is talking about those that will obey him and walk the command walk the instruction do the instruction of enter through the narrow way the narrow gate, and see the kingdom of heaven, and he's also talking about another lot that will essentially not see the kingdom of God from the church, from the church, from people that say they are born again. And he says, they will walk the wide road, and to them he says, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of eternity the kingdom of my father, the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of glory. But only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So there you go. He begins to center obedience again. So if there is anything that you wanted to add on your long list, which will be endless tonight, on what it means to walk the narrow way, then one of the things you are going to ask there is called to be obedient. Walking an obedient life. Strict, complete, and absolute obedience unto the Lord. And then he says, verse 22, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, 
performs many miracles. Verse 23 concludes by saying, Then I will tell them plainly, meaning publicly, meaning openly, meaning without fear, meaning in a way that everybody else will hear, in a way that they will understand very clearly and anybody else in that vicinity. And I will say to them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil people. Who is this the Lord is talking to? The church of Christ. He's saying, based on the instruction to walk the narrow way, there will be two types of Christians, two types of Christian believers, two types of born-again people in the house of the Lord. Those that will obey the instruction of the Lord, thereby walking the narrow way, the narrow walkers, the narrow road, the narrow path, and those that will walk the wide way. And he said, those that walk the broad way, the broad road, the broad path, the highway that has many lanes, six lanes, four lanes, eight lanes, the wide way, they will not enter the kingdom of glory. They will enter where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth beloved people. And so that's why this becomes a very important conversation that now we see very clearly from imports. When we import it from the book of Matthew 7, 21-23, owing to what happened to the wide walker, to those who walk the wide way, the large way, now we see very clearly that obedience sits at the very center of the instruction that Jesus was giving the church when he says, please make sure that you walk, if you follow me, if you are born again, He's saying, if you are really born again, please make sure that you walk the narrow way, the narrow road. As we advance this, beloved people, another point, I've lost track to the point now. Another point, when the Lord said and instructed and commanded the church that they should walk the narrow way, what did he really mean? He essentially now, I'm opening up a little further, essentially meant living a life of separation, living a separated Christian lifestyle, a separated Christian life. Separated from what? Separated from the moral decay of this world. Separated from the evil, the wickedness that this world is exuding and throbbing today, the vibrant immorality and name it. We are going to enumerate them eventually. So he meant living a separated Christian lifestyle. And right there, whether you are listening from Oak Park, Illinois, in Chicago, or you are listening from Forest Park, Illinois, in Chicago, or whether you are listening from Northwestern, in Chicago, Illinois, or you are listening from Hyde Park, Hyde Park, Cicero, Pulaski, these places, the south side, wherever you are listening from in Chicago, or in Oklahoma, New Jersey, from Camden, or you are listening from the ends of Pennsylvania, all the way down, 
listening in Australia, Sydney, Canberra, wherever, Auckland, New Zealand, Boryong, South Korea, Beijing, China, Shanghai, one of the top busiest cities in the world, caught up in that. Wherever you are tuned in, Wulong province, Nanjing, wherever you are listening from, Madrid, Barcelona, from Santiago, Chile, from Sao Paulo, from New Brunswick in Canada, from Piscataway, New Jersey, so wherever you are tuned in from, there is a very important message the Lord is discussing here regarding eternity, when it's all said and done with this earth. And the Lord is talking about a separated Christian life. And when I mention that, in the context of walking the narrow way, I know that wherever you are listening from, I may not have mentioned your, the name of your city, from Prague in the Czech Republic, Frankfurt, Berlin, from München, Stuttgart, everywhere. I may not have mentioned you, beloved people, but wherever you are tuned in from, when I mention this aspect of Christian walk, a separated Christian life, a separated Christian lifestyle. When I compare a Finland, you right away begin to understand that there is an indictment upon the present day modern church. Because now we could even stop here and have a non-stop, a ceaseless conversation on the redefining of Christian work in this age. Because they got it wrong. The majority of the churches, you see, they are walking the white road. Why? Because their lives are characterized by leaving the world. Their salvation is mixed with the world. Is together with the world. Their salvation is not separated from the world. And this is absolutely contrary. It's a contrary. It's a conflict. It comes up against the instruction the Lord gave. When he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to eternal life, to heaven, to eternity, to your Father in heaven, to your God. How awesome, beloved people. How mighty, beloved people. Because in our definition, in our pursuit, and we are pursuing this today to open up the instruction, the meaning of when the Lord says, Walk the narrow road. And I say it very clearly that it's absolutely mesmerizing, it's astounding and astonishing that when he said, Walk the narrow road and the narrow gate, narrow door, then he attached the two together and he brought the third factor towards eternity with God. The incentive for doing so, beloved people. That when you walk the narrow way, 
when you go through the Christian worship experience on the narrow path, your reward is bigger than the experience you go through on this earth. Then pursuing the narrow path. And so, we have seen that he meant living a separated Christian life. And there is no better place to derive this conversation on separation that the Lord is trumpeting here on the narrow way than to read Exodus chapter 13, verse 18-22. There is a very interesting narrow way that we would like to borrow from. You will see in human history, in the history of mankind, in the history of the church, in God's engagement with man, there was always the instruction to separate out and walk the narrow way. And there is no better example than when the Lord separated out the Israelites from the Egyptians and put them straight straightway on the narrow path. So the book of Exodus chapter 13, beloved people, turn with me there. And reading from verses 18 all the way to 22. So let us see what he says. Exodus 13, 18 to 22. I'm so blessed that he could allow me to share with you the mind of God regarding the church at this hour. The first aid to the church, to resuscitate the church, to cause her to wake up and redefine her course for eternity. So the book of Exodus 13, verses 18 to 22. So I could start from verse 17. Again, we have the latitude. It says, when Pharaoh <laughs> let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, that is very powerful, beloved people. Meaning, there was a shorter way. There was a way that would have been shorter to lead them from Egypt, separate them out from the Egyptians, and then in leading them to his presence, in leading them to worshiping him, 